You're listening to Building the Game with Rob and Jason. It's Building the Game with Jason and Rob. For tabletop game design, you really can't go wrong. Building the game, yeah, building the game. Hello. Welcome. BTG. Rob, Jason, September 11th. 2017, four, not 476, 276. 476, whoa! Yeah, hi. Hi. That just happened. We're doing a new show. It did. Here we go again. <clears throat> yeah. So, yeah. Um, Game of Thrones is done. It is. Yeah, we sh- shouldn't talk about it on the show, should we? We shouldn't talk about how the... Uh, how um, you know, Jon Snow was murdered by yeah. uh, by uh, Cersei Lannister. Yeah, yeah, at the wall, it was crazy. Or how Cersei's a white now. Yeah, it's yeah, un- undead Cersei. Yeah, we better not talk about that. We also Lady Stoneheart came back. Lady Stoneheart. Yeah, that was incredible. We should also not talk about how it turns out that the Hound is actually a woman. Yeah, that was awkward. It was, yeah. right? I mean, it just felt like it just felt weird. No judgments. It was just it was awkward. No, it was just unexpected, yeah, right? Yeah. But that's what that show does. It does unexpected right, things. Right, right, right. So um yeah. And uh you know the really the thing that caught me off guard, but I honestly kinda liked it, was was uh was the musical number with Tyrion and Jamie. Yeah, I, I thought it at first I was like high oh, roll, but then I was like, no, 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 I got it's it. Kinda, this is good. Kind of works. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. In an odd way, it worked well, right? Right, right. Especially right. with the, dan- the the dragons in the background doing doing figure eights, and yeah, and then they yeah. get the top hats and the kings. Yes, yes, yes. Um, that very much reminded me of Spaceballs, but in a good way, in the best possible way. Yeah. I mean, like like a serious Spaceballs, though. You know, well, like if right. Scorsese directed Spaceballs, that was that episode, or at least that moment in the episode. You know. Yeah. Right. And. I know they've been doing cameos, but I was, I was a little put off by the Chevy Chase cameo. Like, yeah, you know, a little out of place there. I, I'm just, I'm with you on that. I mean, it. You know, see if you notice it when you watch it. Uh-huh. Maybe you won't, but I, I, I mean, I did. I appreciate the pratfalls. Yeah, but, but it was, you know. just I felt like it was too far. You know, yeah. I like a good pratfall. Okay, right. and Chevy Chase knows how to do them. Right. But right. oh gosh, it just felt like a lot. Right. It felt yeah. like a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um. Yeah. I mean, so maybe I missed something. Okay. But when did Tormund get a machine gun? Because I, I didn't see that coming. Like, you know, he's usually got the big axe. Uh they they were foreshadowed that like at the end of last season. Oh, did they? Yeah, he okay. has a he has a tattoo on his arm. You can see it in one shot when he's oh, got his jacket off. Okay. Like he's pulling his shrugging his pulling his jacket up and you yeah. can see the tattoo on his on his bicep. Of a machine gun? Of a machine gun. Okay. Yeah. That, yeah. So, right. you know, that's, <clears throat> I mean, I you, now that they're off script from George R. R. Martin, they can pretty much do whatever they want. And they proved that with this episode. Yeah. Um, because they just, you know, I mean, they just did what they wanted and they, you know, they didn't apologize for it. Right. Well, they've gone really Hollywood with it. Well, they have. They have, yeah, you know, right. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, though, okay. I shouldn't say this. Yeah, but, probably not, but. When the predator showed up, that was badass. That was that, that was, was cool. You know? I mean, I was like, "Whoa, really? We're going there?" I know, right? So yeah, so okay. it's weird. Like I kind of expected when he showed up, they would like tie him into either the dragons uh-huh. or tie him into the uh, to the 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 dead. 
Yeah, but no, he was just hunting. Yeah, and he was just hunting, you know. Right. So. He, he wanted he wanted to get um, a White Walker, right, to, for a trophy. Yep. Now, I, I heard a fan theory. Now, oh, I okay. could be wrong with this, but I heard okay. a fan theory that that predator was actually the baby of Alina Tyrell. What? And the mountain. Oh, he is he's a monster now, after yeah, all. Right. right. So I mean, you know, so I Oh apparently oh, wow. when they were in King's Landing, you know, uh-huh. together. Right. Some stuff happened and she seems kind of old, but I, I don't know if like a maester helped or something with the Well you know and we don't know about the, the gestation cycle for or, or, or for time or whatever, you know, that's so we don't know the biology of the predators. That's right? true. That's very you know, true. May, yeah. You know, he might be he might end up being I wonder where this is set in the Predator universe because he might be like the progenitor predator then, he right? Could be, yeah, yeah. So, you know, you know. So from from that predator, the rest of the of that species may may evolve. Yeah, um, that's that is a good point. Yeah, wow. that's that's probably taking it too far though. That's probably. I mean, that's yeah, uh, let's yeah. be realistic, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, everything else in the show was pretty grounded in reality, so I, you know, um, yeah. I, yeah, I'm not sure, uh, but. You know, anyways, it was a good episode. It was a lot it was of surprising good. stuff. It, know, it, it went places, man. We're bringing it two and a half hours, so that was, you know. Yeah, it went was, places. Yeah, so oh. I'm uh, I'm excited, though, uh, mm-hmm. to see what they do next season. Uh, yeah, me too. I mean, I don't know where they're going to go, because they could literally go anywhere, uh-huh. you know, now with the time machine. But uh, well, there's really... One of the rumors is that, is that the time machine actually creates a rift in space-time, and they actually go through a portal, like they, like they start getting with a battle, and the battle... Uh, in the battle, the, the time machine. This has been hinted at before. I I, I haven't read oh, the yeah. books, but that's, yeah, I'm sure. And it opens a rift through space time, actually, and they come to our world, kind of like Masters of the Universe. You remember that? <laughs> oh, that was brilliant. Yeah, why yeah. not recreate that? Right. So 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 the th- the theory then is that we could have you know the final battle between the predators, the the men, the White Walkers with the dragons in New York City. Oh, right. Interesting. And and then and. Uh, so the downside of this is that it's kind of then becomes a ripoff a little bit, a little bit uh, from the Avengers with the big right, portal, the big, you, know. you know, and the metal so dragons. Yeah, we'll, we'll see, we'll see. <clears throat> but I think there's a real chance there. What if they were doing a tie-in? You know, I mean, gosh. oh, like HBO and Disney are getting yeah, together like on if, that. We, oh, that's a neat idea. Like, you know, Iron Man just comes flying out. You know, Spider Man swings through. You know, that's also kind of what they did with Pacific Rim too. A lot like that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Huh. Oh, that'd be cool to see a Jaeger fighting. I like. I'm not a big fan of, of Pacific Rim. I, it, it's, it's I it was all right. It, yeah, but. it was all right. But it, that would be neat to have a, a Jaeger fighting uh, one of the White Walkers. Well, or you know, or a dragon. Well, and I mean, imagine what would happen if one of those Jaegers met one of the Maesters. <sighs> yeah, I'd have a Jaeger Maester. So, um, but anyways, uh, that'd be really funny. It would be. Yeah. yeah. I actually heard the so last rumor. I heard. Okay. Okay. I, I didn't hear about this New York thing, so maybe that's more solid. But I had actually heard that where they end up is an alternate uh, 1985. Um, <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Where, oh, like, that'd be cool. So like, so, like, Jon Snow goes running because then he's alive again. Yeah. He goes running back to Winterfell. Yeah. And he climbs through a window. Yeah. But in, instead of like you know him like him being there, like uh-huh. the Martells are there. The Sand Snakes live there, and uh-huh. it's like what what's happening and they're like this is my room get out and then they're like well maybe you could stay because like they like dudes a lot um and then and then they they like poison him or something uh-huh. and then and then john snow he, gets he would a, die like the third time yeah then he yeah. gets like a hoverboard um and uh-huh. then it's really from there it's really about 
um, you know, trying to set the paradox straight because the the problem, of course, was no one was thinking fourth dimensionally. Um, yeah, see, this this I, this definitely sounds like a fan theory. I don't think, think they so? would go there. Yeah, I don't. Okay. I don't think it's going to. I mean, that's all right. All right. That's that's too much. What's that movie I'm thinking of? Um, that's that's too much. Like, oh god, what is it? Um, um, what is that? The really popular one? Oh, Steel Trans- Magnolias. Yeah, that's the one. Steel yeah, Magnolias. Right. Yeah, yeah. I with, was going to say Transformers. Robots, right? I was no, no, tra- no, no. It's the one with the robots with Steel Magnolias. Oh, yeah. Oh, real Ju- steel. That's what it is. Real steel. That's the one with the robot with Julia Roberts, and she's sick, and like she has a baby, and then she dies. That's real steel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and Wolverine's in that too, right? We get as Wolverine, yeah. yeah. Him and Julia Roberts, I think. Uh, I think he's the father of the baby. That's probably why she dies because the baby's born with claws, not not adamantium, but just you know the right. Yeah, so. Real steel claws. Yeah. Well, yeah. Duh. I mean, why would mm. it not be? Yeah. Okay. For sure. Well, we'll see. We'll see. We're yeah. gonna have to wait till like can, who the hell heck knows when. We right? can only speculate. Yeah. I mean, twenty eighteen July. They say July twenty eighteen is the earliest. More likely later than that. I think. We right. might be waiting until 2019 right. before we know for sure. It's true, yeah. But until then, yeah. I would just consider we're probably correct. So we're pretty smart guys. I'd say we got at least 50% of that right. Yeah, if not, if not 60. So great. All right. So um, what, what are we talking about stuff? What are we doing here? What's this about? Um, we're going to talk about games. Games. We're going to talk about games. We say games. with enthusiasm. Oh, we love games. Games We love games. Games are great. No, we're actually not going to talk about games. We're going to talk about emails and questions from builders. Emails! We're going to do... Can I start with one? Um, yeah. Okay, I got a tweet from Nate Jones a couple of days ago. Uh, Nate to the Jones. Yeah, Nate wants us to talk about what to do when multiple publishers show interest in a game, and he says, asking dot 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 for a friend. Uh, and Nate also uh, ha- that was on Twitter. He said hashtag Gen Con speed dating rocked. Yeah, it did Gen Con speed dating what? Con- so congratulations, Nate. If something's happening there, I hope it continues to happen for you, and that is great. Um, so this is a similar situation to, to a situation that a friend of mine may have been in recently. Um, so yeah, relevant to, to interests at hand here as Jason's rolling dice. Dumb bones, right? Yeah. Um, what, what are your thoughts? If you, if you have a publisher, uh, more than one publisher who is, um, is conversing with you about the same thing, what, what thoughts do you have on that? How to approach that? Uh, step one, um, find a space. Okay. Like, uh, like a wrestling ring, like a hall, a hallway, a hall, like hall, no, like a hall, like, like a, a hall. dance hall or something. Like da- oh, a dance hall. An auditorium. Auto- and, okay. and then, and like then, a venue of some kind. Yeah, and then, and then order some invitations. Invitations. Invite all the publishers uh-huh. to said place and then just stand okay. on stage and say, do your best. Come and then me, make bro. them just give you offers out loud like like that game pit yeah. you just yell yeah i got i got two percent i got five percent i got i got money i got this i got ten thousand copies i got one thousand right just back and forth uh-huh, uh-huh, and then uh-huh. you know yeah, you just yeah. you just pick one on the spot yeah and then yeah so don't do that oh, um that's no. a terrible idea. uh you're I, in my so what i would do what um, would you do well so i actually was in this situation a long time ago with yeah. a game that was never published which is really horribly Ouch. ironic and funny uh but uh 
what I did was I um what I did was I made a bad decision. Um I looked at um the money that was being offered and I looked at the fact that the one guy asked me first and seemed a little more passionate about uh-huh. it. Uh, so I went with him. And that was a mistake. If I hadn't done that, my game would be published right now. I'm pretty confident in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, because what I should have done was I should have went with the guy who was a little more hesitant. Because it turns out he was realistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I am confident that I would have that game published right now uh, if I had done that. Um, yeah. And it may have even been good. So, yeah. <laughs> You know, you make an excellent point. Um, so okay, so so Nate, assuming the uh, the speed dating went well for you, and, and congratulations on that again. So um, if you made those contacts through the speed dating, um, those publishers know that they were not the only ones there, right? And and they, I'm sure they know that if they're interested in your game, chances are that somebody else might be interested in it, in it as well. You know. Um, that's probably a safe bet. So step one is, is be honest. Say, just say, Hey, thank you so much for your interest. Just want to let you know, I've gotten, I've gotten inquiries from several, from, from, from a couple other, several other sources that were also through the speed dating. And and even if you did that with other, uh, through pitches outside of speed dating, you know, say, Hey, I met with a lot of publishers. I have gotten interest from a couple of sources, right? Uh, just, just be honest, be upfront about that, you know? And, and, and and you need to be careful to say that, not to say that, Hey, I'm starting a bidding more here. Give me your best shot. See what you can do. Just, just to say, just so they're not, um, under the assumption that they're negotiating in a vacuum, right? Right. Um, and, and let's... Okay. <clears throat> I'm just going to say this, right? Uh-huh. Um, the other thing not to do is don't try and pressure a publisher into saying, somebody else wants it, you better sign it now. Yeah, no, right? no, no, that's the wrong... Because yeah. cause here's the thing. If you're doing that, you're in this for the wrong thing, right? Yeah. If, if somebody wants to publish your game and that's they're awesome. like, I want to publish this, first of all, congratulations, that's awesome, yeah. right? You need to be careful. You need to look at the contract. You need to make sure you're doing a good job and mm-hmm. due diligence, right? Mm-hmm. But if somebody else, you know, wants to offer you something slightly better, mm-hmm. like you have a lot to weigh, right? Yeah. And, and to hold out and say, you know what? No, I'm not going to take your offer yet. I'm going to go look for two more offers and see what's better. That's, that's, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like when you have multiple offers coming in at once, yes, you should weigh them. And there's nothing wrong with saying, listen, I got an offer on this. Uh, I, I like it. Um, if you want to, if you want to give me an offer, now's the time. But you know, no hard feelings if you don't. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm happy with this, uh, unless you feel like you really do want to go with that publisher. But then you should be telling them that you should be yeah. saying, "Listen, I like you guys. I think I want to go with you." Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I I need to see what you can do, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to tell you what the other people are offering. Right? I'm not going to like. Uh, and I mean, you can, you know, we, you of course can share information, but we, you, you should never say what other publishers are actually looking at you. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it, an offer is confidential, right? Offers are confidential yes. and you please treat them as, as such and be respectful of that. Right. Right, yeah. right. Right. Yeah. I mean, unless they specifically say it's not, then that's great. But I dare you to find a publisher that says, go ahead and share my information. Always operate under the assumption that an offer that you got is confidential. Right. Because if they find out that you share that information, right. guess what? Right. You may never work with them again. Right. And, and if, you, if you're talking to a publisher and the publisher says, can you tell me uh, what other offers you've got? Or you can tell me, can, you know, if they expect you to share the details of another offer, then, then you're basically, and, and then you do that, what you're doing is you're also saying to that publisher, the, this, the private stuff that you and I are talking about is also not private. 
and I'm going to share that with other people. Right. Too, you know, so and, it's, it's maintaining that respect. And, and that's that something you and I are super sensitive about because yes. we have a podcast. Right. And we don't ever want a publisher to think that we're going to go blabbing on our no, podcast. No, 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 no. And I think you and I have done a very good job. We try really not hard. talking about stuff. We try really hard. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, another important thing to remember, uh, if you have interest from multiple sources, that's amazing, right? Uh, uh, and this this was something that was advice given to me recently from several sources is to say, remember, um, you are interviewing them as much as they are interviewing you, right? It's a two-way thing here. And and you should be asking them questions. Questions like, how many copies do you think you're going to produce? They might not have an answer for that, but it's good for you to ask that, right? Um, if they're going to go Kickstarter, any idea what kind of a Kickstarter goal you'd be shooting for, for right, right. this, you know? Right. Um, what, what, how much work do you, do you expect from me in terms of development? Are you just ready to go or do you want to do a lot of changes? If you want to make changes, what kinds of changes do you want to do? Where do you want to go for art? What, uh, with this, what kind of component quality are you thinking of? Right? right. These are all questions that you should be asking. And I guarantee, I guarantee you 100% of the time, every publisher you talk to is going to have different ideas for that. And that's okay. Yep. And, 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 and you should expect those publishers to want to put their own spin on it, put their own flavor into it, because they want it to, to be their game. They want it to fit their catalog, right? In fact, if they don't want to, then that's concerning, right? Then, then yeah, then, then how invested are they in that really, right? Um, that's not an automatic turnoff, but it's certainly something for you to stop and ask, a question, ask yourself right. a question about, you know? And, and then, and, you know, think more about the, what they want, Um so, so you are interviewing them as much as they are with you. Tell them that you've got other offers. If you're in, if you're working with others, the the worst thing you could do is say to them uh, is is to get somebody right up the edge and sign and then say, ah, you know what? At the last second, I've decided to go with a different deal, and I didn't even ever tell you that I was talking to another publisher. They're going to feel really betrayed by yeah, that. Yeah, and you guess you know? what? That's gonna that's a jerk move. That's kind of burning a bridge there. One one publisher that I really respected for how they dealt with it that I think I can say is AEG. Um, when you pitch a They've game been to wonderful, them, yeah. and when yeah. they take uh, Ryan Dancy, right? When yeah. he, when he mm-hmm. takes a copy of your game, uh, and we both have had that happen in the past, right. when they take a copy of your game, he will say to you, I like this game. We're going to check this game out. If tomorrow or today somebody tells you they want to buy this game, sell them this game. Right. Don't, don't wait hold, for me. Don't wait for me. We're right, a big yeah. company and we're slow and we publish a lot of stuff. Yeah. And I'm not going to have any hard feelings. Sure. Now, I'm sure he doesn't always say that. I'm sure there are times that he sees a game and he says, Listen, <laughs> we're going to talk about this game real soon, and that's cool, right? Sure. But the yeah. fact of the matter is a company of that size gets so many pitches and so many things and right. has so many things in development for years to come sure. that, um, you know, that, I mean, look at AG. They started to do different models for getting games out there right. to do more games, right? Right. right. Um, so anyways, uh, I, I respect that, that from yeah. the publisher side. You know, because mm-hmm. here's the thing. If a publisher is pressuring you, like like beyond normal pressure, like if they're just like, listen, I really want this game. I'm really mm-hmm. excited about it. That's great. That's cool. But if they're like, you sign by tomorrow or it's done, you don't want to publish with them unless they literally don't. the only, unless you've been dicking them around, in which case that's <laughs> fine. But in a normal scenario, you should never be pressured to sign your game with someone yeah. immediately. They should They should want you. They should say things like, I'm going to send you a contract. Look at it. Have someone look it over for you. Mm-hmm. Tell me if you have questions. Let's address those questions. Tell me if there's changes you're going to want, right? Mm-hmm. right. Um, we've seen instances where a publisher will say, hey, is there anything you want me to put in this ahead of time? Like, just so that I know to expect yep. that you'd like to see that in there. Yep. Um, hey, guess what? Good publishers are super respectful. And, mm-hmm. and they also understand that while they might really want your game, that it's not necessarily a competition, right? Mm-hmm. right. I mean, realistically... 
they want your game to get out there. They want you to be successful. Mm-hmm. And if they like you, they're going to come back to you for something else mm-hmm. eventually, you know? Yeah. It, it reminds me, I had a conversation with uh, with a lawyer in our office recently because uh, we were looking at a um, a new vendor contract. I don't need to get into the details anyway. Right. Uh, and uh, it probably super boring. Yeah. So we uh, we were talking through some of the stuff in the contract and, and um she said, "I'm gonna have I'm gonna have this new guy that I just hired look this over with me." Um, and she and she kind of chuckled and she said, uh, "This guy he's a he's a really smart guy and, and I'm really excited to work with him. He's fresh out of law school, and sometimes though sometimes you have I have to teach the new lawyers that not everybody's out to get you." <laughs> right, 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 because they just assume, right? Right, they they have to assume we we got to protect ourselves and everything, right? Everything is out to get me, and everything this clause is clause means they're right. trying to screw us. Yeah, and that's no. and that's just not true. Most people in the world, I mean, a contract is an important thing for everybody involved, but most people in the world they just want to do business and they want to be successful and they want and and when they make you happy and when they when when they do right by your product, uh, that's going to make more money for them as well, right? And, and here's the big thing about the game design world: if a publisher screws you over guess what everyone's gonna know (laughs) i mean like that's just the thing right like if a publisher legit like does something dastardly Mm -hmm. that ain't a secret's gonna get kept for very long but i mean that's it i I, it doesn't have that's what that's what i'm saying that's why it doesn't happen right right because publishers don't want game designers trashing them no right right they just don't it's just it's just good for everybody if everybody works together positively you know and that's that's just good for business it's good for our community it's good for the for the industry it's good for gaming right and everybody wants everybody to be happy because we're we're making and selling games right games are about having fun they are and that's what this is about so so don't operate under the assumption that that anybody's out to get you either they they want you to be happy because then then you're going to be able to work together positively and make a better game long term yep so we should move on i think those are all thoughts yeah cool you have a voicemail yes from a new caller oh long time listener lots of time talked about new caller oh Hi guys, this is your first listener, Neil Roberts. Uh, I'm finally caught up on the Building the Game podcast, which means I've listened to the Codenames Conundrum episode. I think a good way to describe what's happening comes from one of my favorite game design books, Rules of Play. They describe something called unsportsmanlike behavior, which is breaking the unspoken rules of the game or rules the game designer never thought they would have to outline. Uh, In particular, the unspoken rule I think someone's breaking here is the uh, the clues are meant to be fun and clever. And I think doing something like using someone's trash talk against them in a way that isn't even a winning strategy goes against the unspoken rule of the clue being fun and definitely goes against the unspoken rule of it being clever. Uh, anyway, I hope this helps, and I'll talk to you guys later. Thank you, Neil. How does Neil not have a podcast? Did you hear that voice? It's a beautiful. I've never realized how radio oh, his man. voice sounds. We're, in we're usually gazing into his glorious eyes. That is true. Uh, <laughs> I get to see Neil in a couple weeks at Grand Con. I'm pretty stoked. You get to share a room with him. I am. All to myself. Ooh, just close your eyes and listen, Jason. Um, Tell yeah. me stories, Neil. Yeah. So, so he's referring to the, the conversation we had on, on a bonus episode where I talked about the challenge that I had playing codenames with my some of my family. And yeah, that's an excellent observation that, that the, my, my cousin's daughter who was kind of, kind of cheat, not, not cheating, but breaking an unspoken rule, breaking an unspoken and unwritten rule, which kind of went against the, the, the fun of the game. That explains why it's not, why it felt weird. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Even though it wasn't against the rules, it felt wrong. 
uh, and kind of killed it for us. And I, and I, I will never play Codenames with them again. I just can't. Right. I just no, can't. Because now you hate their faces. It's just, just passion. Passion, burning, uh, burning hatred. So thank you, Neil, for that well-thought-out yeah. response. Beautiful. Thanks. All right. Hi, guys. This is Neil Roberts again. I thought I would help Jason out with his uh, show-closing jokes by giving him a couple of jokes uh, that are some of my favorites. Uh, the first one is, what's brown and sticky? Uh, the answer is a stick. That's one of my favorites. Uh, the next one is uh, a horse walks into a bar. Uh, the bartender says, why the long face? And the horse says, my alcoholism is destroying my family. Uh, so there you go. Uh, there's a couple for Jason to use on the show. Uh, I'll see you guys later. Bye. <laughs> Neil Roberts, you are a god among insects. <laughs> It was great. It actually <laughs> reminded me of so those realist those those um oh, those uh sad realistic <laughs> jokes um the sad realistic jokes that's like a thing right yeah. there's another one with a horse where a horse walks into a bar it's on the floor right because it's a horse right um but that was <laughs> the pause he put in there because I was like is the joke over and then he's <laughs> Neil you're the oh, best Neil wins Neil wins. <laughs> oh man if you ever need another co-host I just hire Neil also oh. he sounded like like he was talking to a professional microphone yeah I just realized it's 8.30 and I still hear kids walking yeah. around that's not a good nobody's side. screaming so it's fine um, <laughs> alright so yes yes Neil oh. thank you call in more often Neil yeah, seriously <laughs> have a Neil's corner up in here um, alright so we have another uh, voicemail from someone oh, else gosh alright I love so, this so this is another not common caller but an awesome one. Hey, guys, this is Isaac. I was just listening to your response to a listener question from Doug about how to be inclusive uh, without being stereotyping when it comes to including different kinds of characters into your game. I want to offer a different perspective. Uh, I recently heard this quote, and I don't know exactly who it's from, but it really speaks to me. Uh, And it's the idea that uh, everything that you create uh, is going to support some kind of politics. So you may as well make sure that it supports your own. And when you think about it with that lens, things look a little bit different because instead of coming out a game and saying, um, how do I create characters that are inclusive? Um, you might come at the game and say, what do I want to say about uh, the values of inclusiveness in this game? And so if you're making a game and you want to include a, a, a traditional garb, Indian, Native American, um, I think you can go ahead and do that. And I think that the if, if you're simply reinforcing uh, the stereotypes that we all have, people will assume that you believe in them and you support them and that you're okay with them. Um, and, and if you don't, and if you're presenting a different perspective, then people might engage with you over whether they agree with that perspective or not. Um, But that's okay. I think that when you try to sort of just follow the rules, when you try to just come up with some formula that communicates to the world that you're not really a racist, not really, that's where you fall down, right? Because that's really just abdicating your responsibility to advocate for the kind of world that you want to see. And we do that a little bit with games, and maybe we we can do it more, maybe we should do it more. 
Anyway, uh, I'm going to get off of my high horse. Uh, hope I don't break an ankle. Thanks for the show, guys. Bye-bye. Isaac is super smart. Yeah, he is. He says stuff. Uh, you know, Isaac is one of my favorite, uh, and hopefully he's okay if I call him the social justice warriors. Like, <laughs> you know, I, I've had so many good political conversations with Isaac. Um, but so that perspective is great, right? Absolutely. Like, yeah. just design for what you believe in. And when yeah. I think about that, when I say that I want to have like, uh, when I was working on Gunslinger Ramblers and I said, I want to have lots of, lots of cool women in this, mm-hmm. you know, um, I wasn't... Th- like thinking about that now to me, it's because I want my daughter to have girls to, to use, right? And yeah. like, you know, and, and to look up to, right? And one mm-hmm. of the things I noticed when I first started playtesting game, when I had the artwork done, right? Mm-hmm. And I think I've said this to you before, that really spoke to me was uh, when I was testing in an unpub, at the beginning of the game, most of the girls would pick a girl. Mm. Uh, because you're not really sure who to pick in your first sure. round, yeah, 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 and they would pick a girl and they would smile when they were doing it, right? Mm-hmm. Because they're like, this girl looks badass, right? She represents me. I like this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think when we're talking about kind of being formulaic about it, that's not that's not necessarily that's not our goal, right? Yeah, our goal is to serve our own worldview, right? Right, which right. is a worldview of much, much inclusion, right? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I think, I think Isaac said everything much better than I ever could have. I agree. Yeah. I mean, you're not very smart. So, I mean, Isaac is though. Not as smart as Isaac. (laughs) No, no way. All right. All right. All right. Okay. So now I'm going to read you the best email we've ever got. This is the one that I'm aware of. This is, this is is the best email we've ever got. uh, I'm sorry that it took us so long to get to this. Yes. And I, uh, if you're hearing this, I hope they've already responded to you and said, listen to this episode because we'll respond to you because this guy's way far behind. So uh, this is from Ahmed. Um, The email is titled, A Fan from Saudi Arabia. I read that and I got excited. I'm not going to lie. Right there. Me too. Hi, Robert and Jason. My name is Ahmed. Uh, and I'm trying to keep this email concise. Um, just discovered you a couple of weeks ago and only have only gotten up to episode 16 today. Uh, I always make sure I'm perfectly ready before I hit play. And I listen to the, to the very end because the intro and the outro tracks are just so awesome. There you go, Rob. Most funny moment was the, episode, that was the first episode uh, as Jason was pitching his zombie game and my eyebrows go up. And I'm like, is Jason the designer of Dead of Winter? Am I listening to what this egg is hatching? Um, I got physically into the hobby, uh, a year ago and I own a mostly respectable 50 plus board game library. Now, uh, before that I had a firm belief that the hobby was not existent in my region of the world. I believe that for a very long time, um, I coped with the idea by designing my own games to play with my family. But a year ago I discovered that it wasn't so absolutely stark. And now I am part of a sizable gaming group that I meets weekly. We pay shipping nearly equal to the game's price for medium and big games. The religious police hound us in public places because they see dice and link that to gambling. You can only open a toy store that sells board games or a coffee shop that has games to play, not mix both. And of course, the language barrier means you can't bring any game to any table. Oh, oh, and a famous party or small box card games are being pirated, ripped off locally and produced legally at an alarming rate. I think he means illegally. Uh, Examples include exploding kittens, taboo, apples to apples, etc. Nothing is ideal yet, but we get to play and I have victims to try out my prototypes. I love what you're doing. Speaking in the past perspective, I think you both lift each other's mood and energy in a beautiful way. Your discussions have sparked a couple of game designs already like magic. 
Thank you. You guys are super ex- you guys were super excited when you found out you had fans in Kuwait. I hope my existence brings you as much joy. Um, I wish you and your families all the best and may you become rich and famous off your labors. I love you, Ahmad. Um, that is one of the nicest, most awesome emails we've ever gotten. It is, yeah. Um, and you know, it's just so telling the what they go what, what he's going through there. That that's yeah, I read that and was like so humbled and to think like I, I have no comprehension of what it would be like to be to be sitting somewhere with my friends playing a board game and have cops come up to me and give me a hard time about playing a board game. That's that's something that I have no comprehension of ever experiencing. And and things like this remind me of how privileged we are. Yeah. Um and um and it's just it's just just incredible. Um uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what else to say. Um, thank you for the email. Thank you for reaching out. We, uh, I think you really touched us. Yes. Yes. And I've got good news. Yeah. He's got another email. <laughs> Even <laughs> so, better. I don't yes, know about yes. this one. Don't, no, I haven't read this one to you. So. Okay. Uh, you're a Saudi fan again. Hello, Jason and Robert. Um, I hope you didn't catch any illness from the com- convention and that you had a grand time. I also hope that you sold more games than you bought. (laughs) (laughs) I've reached episode 21 on your podcast. I was clapping and whistling and cheering during Jason's telling of his first contract story. I'm being good and not searching the web for spoilers of what happened next. (laughs) Um, I, uh, I love how you two embarked on this podcast gig with such bravado. And thank you so much for getting new microphones. <laughs> you have no idea how hard it is to listen to the previous episodes while on the highway every day. Oh, oh yeah. The Flip the Table crew are fantastic. However, I hesitate to listen to their show as I have a habit of wanting to fix almost all good games or scrap and recycle all bad games that I see, uh, hear about, or touch. The show would never t- would be an overtask for my brain. Um, do you have habits related to board game design that, um, in your way of designing games, uh, and how do you manage them? I guess I'll hear your answers when I reach the current episodes. Uh, it's like I'm sending mail from the the past to the future. (laughs) It is kind of like that. It's pretty funny. Uh, about, oh, and then he included some photos. I'm going to read them, but I am not going to post them because he didn't say we could. Okay. And based on the last email, I don't want to cause any problems. Yeah, of course. I did note that there is not a single face in these photos, and I have to imagine that was done on purpose. Sure. Um, about the photos in our group's last public meetup, we played catacombs and castles by Aaron West, who mailed me specifically to let me know that I'm the only person in Saudi Arabia who owns that game. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, it's a great competitive dexterity game where you're flipping discs that I highly rank above flick them up. Um, uh, the other game we played was my guilty pleasure greed by Donald Vacker, Donald uh, Vecarino, Donnie X, Donnie X, uh, my favorite drafting card game about getting rich as a mob leader. Uh, I've made this email along as well. I promise you I'll do better next time. Uh, have a great day and I love you. Ahmad. So uh, I, I am excited because I think he's going to keep emailing us. Yeah, so I hope so. I'm super stoked That's about cool. that. That's cool. It'll be cool to hear his perspective on, yes. on this right, right. stupid journey we embarked yes. upon. So, uh, and buddy, when you get to episode 275 or 276, 76. <laughs> guess what? You've only got, you know, uh, a 250-ish episodes to yeah. go. Well, by now, that was a couple weeks ago he sent this. So, yeah. Um, all right. So, um, yeah, well, so he asked about our, our habits, our design habits. Oh yeah. 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 Um, well, I think we've talked about this uh, off and on a little bit, but, uh, kind of where I, in, in my habits have evolved a little bit, but, but my, my general habit is I get home from work and I kind of, 
and I, Christine and I have dinner and then um, I kind of, I, if I have something to work on or if I feel like maybe I should work on something, I just kind of go up to my office and, uh, and, and just, uh, you know, set aside that time if, if we're not doing something else that night, right? Right, right. Kind of set aside that time. Sometimes I, I work on games. Sometimes I'm just not feeling it and I just, and I don't get upset with myself for that. You know, I just kind of let, let whatever ha- wants to happen happen, you know? Yep. And I might end up watching YouTube videos or I might play a video game or I might end up working on game stuff. And that's worked really well for me by, by not putting too much pressure on myself. Right. You know, to make, make sure I make sure that I set the time aside and make time available to me for that. But I don't punish myself if I don't use it for that. Right. So it keeps it fun for me. Mm-hmm. And that's all I really ever want this to be is fun for me. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm a lot like you. Uh, I come down here most nights and do something. Um, I try to make that at least part of that game design. A lot of mm-hmm. times it's just reading stuff on the internet. Yeah. Uh, or playing games on my phone, which is stupid because I'm sitting down in front of the computer playing games. <laughs> well, you have a phone. Mac, so you can't really play yeah, games on your right, Mac. Exactly. Yeah. I've got a couple games, but like I never want to play them. I'd rather just play some stupid on my phone. Sure. Um, or sometimes I come down here to play games, I mean, to work on games and I end up watching TV or sure. something. But, yeah. um, you know, it's they're having that availability. The biggest tip I can give that's worked really well for me is. Uh, even during the workday, I keep a Google Doc open mm-hmm. um, so that if I have an idea, I can quick jot some notes down. Um, and I swear um, for anybody from work listening, that actually helps me be more productive at work because it means I'm not it pondering the yeah, idea. Right. <laughs> so yeah, so I'll quick type a few lines out and think, okay, I need to come back to that later. Yeah. And then, you know, in the evening, I review that sort of stuff and uh, yeah, and see where I'm at. And that's uh, that's really helpful for me because mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't let me forget ideas. Uh, but it also doesn't let me ponder them all day. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I'll totally do if I don't put something on paper. And I know, you're the, I know yeah. you're the same way. Absolutely. It's hard to get that stuff Absolutely. out of your head. Absolutely, yeah. Um, all right. So we have some more emails here. Okay. Um, I don't think we're going to have time to pitch a game tonight. I don't think so either. Yeah. So I will pitch a game next time okay. with those dice we talked about, which cool. is great. It'll be more well thought out then. Yeah. Um, no, it won't. Well, you know, it has to be because I'm bringing it to Grand Con. Oh, so. okay. <laughs> all right. Um, <clears throat> uh, Rob. Uh, oh, so, sorry. This ah. is from Andrew uh, Aaron Sebia. Oh. Uh, and I'm really sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong, but that's how it looks phonetically spelled. Yep. Uh, or pronounced. Uh, Rob. I like the clandestine pitch. I have no feedback other than that for now, but I'll keep thinking. Good theme and initial flow uh, of the game. Yeah, thank you. I, um, I don't know what to do with that idea. Um, I I like that name, clandestine. I like that name. I like the theme, but I'm not sure mechanically that it, it was going to work. So I don't know. We'll see. I have a lot of notes uh, about that, and that's another one of those things that I do that when I have an idea, I'll, I'll make a bunch of notes, and I make sure I... I clearly label that google doc and uh and i have an organization system in my google Google drive for stuff that i'm working on ideas to develop for the future stuff that i've set aside and put down for a while um and that is in my cool ideas to come back to at some point right cool cool all right we have another voicemail here i have no idea who this one's from Ooh. bgg my westford what's going on so uh listening to the uh gencon live episode and Rob, serious faux pas. You said that the, uh, the Muppy Giants, uh, was brought up in Tiny Toons, and it was not. It was Animaniacs. You know, Animaniacs. Much more sophisticated, uh, cartoon than Tiny Toons. Alright, that's it. Later. Is he, is he right? Is he right? I could have sworn that was Tiny Toons. I mean, yes, Animaniacs was better than Tiny Toons. Yes. Where it was, um. That is, that is, a, that is, a, an, objective fact right absolutely right about that but i i feel like i remember that little ducky guy being in one of those you know what, cartoons I, I think he's right 
You think he's right? Uh, I think he's right. Oh, it's been a long time um, for me. So what I'm going to do is here, uh-huh. I'm going to look up music from that show. Uh. Mm. Gosh, I still feel like it's Tiny Toons. That is harder than I thought. Well, so who was in Tiny Toons? They were they were the Looney Tunes, but as babies, right? So it was it was like, it, but it wasn't really Looney Tunes. They were like kind of rip off Looney Tunes. So there was a a Bugs Bunny equivalent. There was a Daffy Duck equivalent. There's an Elmer Fudd equivalent. Um, like the duck was green and the bunny was blue, or I think, unless I'm completely insane and not remembering my childhood, which is possible. So. Elmira though What was Elmira in? Oh Elmira was from Animaniacs She was Yeah Oh what about Plucky Duck? Was Plucky Duck in Tiny Toons? Or was Plucky Duck in Because that's the thing Because Plucky Duck is in part He's Particle Man yeah. So so was was Plucky Duck one of the Tiny Toons? Thing? You know what? Or he, one Animax? You, you, okay. He's, okay. He's right because Istanbul and that Constantinople. Yeah. Elmira's in that one. Okay. All right. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I I so I'm mixing up I'm mixing up Plucky Duck with like with Baby Daffy then that's what that's where my my head is yeah. then apparently I'm looking through uh, here trying to see if I can find um uh yeah yeah because uh, Animaniacs also had the state songs or state states in, in capitals and the countries of the uh, world yes. which are two of the greatest things they've ever done they are Animaniacs man I'm gonna. I need to watch that with my kids. I need to yeah. see if I can get those DVDs and make my kids watch it's, it with me. I hope that it holds up and they still like it. Pretty wacky. Like that they would like it because I'll enjoy it. When when Josiah gets to be about eight years old, show him Freakazoid. Okay. Did you ever watch Freakazoid as a kid? No. Freakazoid's good. So I'm looking up They Might yeah. Be Giants to see if I can tell because now I just want to know for sure. Um, But I feel like... No, I, I, I feel think, like Len's, right. Len's, Len's got to be right. You're right. I, I'm there now. I'm with I you. I found They Might Be Giants. I'm scrolling through. This is good. This is good podcasting, guys. Yeah. Trust me. It's great right. podcasting. Um, yeah. What, when was Animaniacs out? Uh, that would have like been mid-90s. Mid-90s, yeah. Probably probably 94, something like 93, 94, 95, something like that. Um, but Freakazoid was about the same time. Freakazoid was really good. That was a good show. That was like that was like precursor to Tick kind of stuff. Which, Wait. by the way, the new Tick series on Amazon is freaking good. I've heard that. Hey, it's wait. It's good. When did Animaniacs come out? I want to say Animaniacs was about the same time, early to mid-90s. Or, no, I'm sorry, uh, Tiny Toons? Well, I think they were both early to mid-90s. Dude. No? Am I wrong? Len's wrong. What? <laughs> what? Len is wrong. Uh, there were three episodes. Three episodes, it says, that They Might Be Giants was used in... And that was Parkle Man and Istanbul, and what was the other one? I don't know. But it's got to be, it's got, yeah, Plucky Duck. The Plucky Duck show, Pinky and um, uh, Pinky and the Brain, Elmira and the, Pinky, Pinky, Elmira and the Brain, I don't remember that, but. Um, yeah, they did a couple. So, but Plucky Duck and Elmira were in this, and so were Pinky and the Brain. Okay. Wait, so what was Animaniacs? Yeah, no, Coast, okay, so, wait, I'm, oh man, my brain hurts. Why can't I remember this stuff? It's been too long. These two things seem to be like mixed Animaniacs together. Animaniacs was Yakko, Wacko, and Dot, but I thought it was... I'm trusting you to look this crap up, and you can't be trusted. That's fine. Um, there's no mention of... Oh, my gosh. Guys. Guys. So, for the record, this is why you say don't look stuff up, Rob. Yeah, because it ruins every argument. Yeah, it does. 
It does, because right now we're just we're recording a podcast, but while what we're really doing is we're just looking at our phones. This is, uh, I'd say this is embarrassing, but we've done worse. Get over it. Um, yeah. So now I'm confused about the difference between Animaniacs and Okay, Tiny Animaniacs had a large, um, Wikipedia, a large cast of characters separating individual segments, each with pair of, so Yakko, Wacko, and Dot. Uh, we have Ralph, the security guard, Dr. Otto, Scratch and Sniff, uh, Hello Nurse, Pinky in the Brain, Slappy Squirrel, Skippy Squirrel, uh, Rita and Runt, Buttons and Mindy, Chicken Boo, Flavio and Marita, Katie Kaboom, and the Good Feathers. Those were all Animaniacs characters. Yes. Uh, and then let's look for... So Animaniacs was 1993 to 1998. Tiny Toons was 90 to 95. I am pretty sure that They Might Be Giants did those songs for... Um, uh, for um, Tiny Toons. You know what? Why, why am I looking at it? Why am I just not Googling this? Okay. Tiny Toons, we have Buster Bunny, Babs Bunny, Plucky Duck, Hampton J. Pig. Uh, we have Fifi La Fume, Shirley the Loon, uh, Dizzy Devil, Furball, Sweetie Pie, Calamity Coyote, Little Beeper, Go Go Dodo, Montana Max, and Elmira Duff. Uh, oh, Lil Sneezer, Concord Condor, Byron Bassett, uh, Bookworm, Arnold the Pitbull, Foulmouth, Barky Marky, and Mary Melody. So for sure, right here, uh-huh. I've got a bunch of YouTube videos that say okay. Tiny Toon Adventures, They Might Be Giants, Istanbul, and Particle Man. All right, Len, I was right. How yeah, dare you, Len? Sir? How dare you? How dare you have a worse memory than me about something that doesn't matter? Okay. How dare you accuse How me dare you? of being incorrect? Okay. Uh, we got two more emails. Okay. We're almost at that time. This is from Andrew again. Uh, Component Studio Details. Listening to your oh. podcast today, and I've been using Component Studio website for a few weeks now. Hey, great. Cool. Jason, in my opinion, this will not help you replace Photoshop, but it will <laughs> replace Illustrator. Oh. I still find myself editing pictures and icons and such, but this allows me to organize things quickly, especially for large sets of chits or cards. Uh, I don't have a graphic design background, but I do have a 3D modeling background through engineering. So I would say that I am uh, a skill level between you guys. That makes sense between you and I. Yeah. Uh, and I find this straightforward and very easy. Uh, there are still tons of options. Um, JT has a 20 minute tutorial under help for making chits. And it's good to give you a base knowledge of how using how to use the interface. Hope this helps. Oh, and Rob, what? I want to make sure uh, you got my second email. Uh, uh, on as autumn leaves, I did focusing on more playthrough feedback. Yep. Take your time responding and asking questions. I just wanted to make sure you didn't forget uh, that I didn't forget to ask attach a txt file or press the send button. <laughs> I have that yeah. problem all the time. No, I, I did get that. Thank you, Andrew. Um, I think I just actually replied to you earlier today. Um, yeah. So so with with everything that's happened since Gen Con, uh, autumn leaves is kind of kind of on my to-do pile um but it'll probably be a little bit until i can get back to it um but yes thank you for that feedback and i absolutely did get that uh so actually jason then you so that that tool might actually work great for you as a replacement for photoshop because because layout is kind of the challenge that you're having right yeah i can edit photos well this is the thing i don't edit photos yeah so it doesn't matter like right making them bigger or smaller sure i can do it all day yeah but honestly i because i use icons either from game Uh or the noun project Mm mm-hmm uh, I don't really need to like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I just, yeah. And then I should be honest, uh, um, 
a lot of what I do in Photoshop is work that is probably better done in Illustrator. I'm just more comfortable with Photoshop, so that's why I do it that way. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I mean, you use what you're comfortable and with. And it's good enough for Game Crafter. You know, I don't need a bunch of fancy SVG files and, and vector stuff for a, a PNG that I'm going to upload for a card to Game Crafter. That, that is where my, my level of amateur uh, graphic design experience reveals itself, you know, because <laughs> right. I'm not really good at Illustrator. Um, I just don't have the experience with it. So was there one more? Nope. Uh, it was just Christopher sending a link to the thing he was talking about. So cool. I mean, Andrew, sorry, Andrew, his yeah. emails come through as Christopher. I don't know what his problem is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I guess we're good, huh? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to cut out a lot of stuff around the tiny tunes argument because do you have to, because it was a lot of us staring at our phones in silence. We were talking. I never stopped talking. That's not true at all. <laughs> we'll see. All right. Thanks everybody for listening to the show. Uh, I promise we will pitch a game next week. Um, uh, yeah. So if you want to email us, uh, we certainly encourage that. Please, please, please email us. Emails. You don't even, it doesn't even have to be about games. Just email us about anything you want. Um, uh, and we will talk about it. Building the game podcast at gmail.com. Twitter is at podcast BTG. Jason's at Jay Slingerland. I am at poorly underscore design. We don't really tweet from the podcast much. Um, so if you really want to talk to us or see what we're working on, you're better off following us individually. Uh, Google voice number seven, seven Oh, tell BTG, uh, like us in places, uh, give us five star reviews in places. Um, building game podcast.com. And, uh, that's enough for tonight. So thanks again for listening we'll see you guys next week have a great night play some games um and try not to get arrested doing it <laughs> yes please <laughs> please be careful if that's a problem good night good night Building the Game is a co-production of Imminent Entertainment and Poorly Designed Studios. All of the ideas presented by Rob and Jason are property of the Building the Game podcast. Next time on Building the Game. You have three dice there with nothing on them. Yes. It's for illustration purposes. Kind of like a pair of pale green pants with nobody inside them. What? It's my favorite Dr. Seuss story about the pale green pants with nobody inside them. That's weird. It is weird. That's why it's my favorite. It's super creepy. You know, I you should look up the pale green pants. Okay. It's 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 the good kind of Dr. Seuss that's twisted and scary. <laughs> <laughs>